we've been speaking in our life groups about God, his blessing to us, and this isn't in my sermon, so I'm giving to you this for free. Um, but if you look at Genesis 1.28, there's a blessing that God has for us. And in fact, these are the first words that he spoke to mankind. It says that he blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply. And that's happening. And I believe, and I'm expecting it naturally, but also I'm expecting it not just with children, although that is awesome and great, but have an expectation of God's blessing over your life. Change the way. Has something happened to you in the past that was negative and you go, oh, well, I I guess I just deserve that. Why is it that we expect and accept when negative things happen, but when good things happen to us, we're confounded, confused, and almost like, I don't deserve this and this shouldn't happen to me. I'm here to tell you, you're a child of the king. And I have never seen the king's kids go lacking because the king was ineffective. The king's kids are always taken care of. You are a king's kid. You need to change the way you think about getting and receiving from God. Amen. That was for free. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. I want to share this morning, I believe, I believe it's more of a prophetic word this morning that I'm going to be sharing. And so I'm going to ask you as we take time this morning that, that your heart would be open, that your eyes would be open, and that you would be ready to receive, because I believe that there's going to be some things happening today in the real now and now in your life that you'll be able to say that today was a day that marked a difference. So I'm going to ask for your undivided attention for the next hour. (laughs) For the next little while. And Lord, as, as we take some time, Lord, to look at your word, I ask that we would lift you up. Lord, your word says that if you're lifted up, you will draw all men unto you. Lord, it's not about entertaining. It's not about humor. It's not about fun, funny things and this. Lord, it's all about you and what you have done and provided for. And this morning, Lord, we are going to speak your word, and we're going to read your word, and we're going to see your word And Lord, I ask God that it would go deep, that our eyes would be open and our ears would hear what your Spirit is saying to us this morning. Open our eyes, enlighten us, O God, in your word. And Lord, I ask God that I would be obedient to you, Holy Spirit, as you speak. And that you, as you talk to me, that I will convey your thoughts and your words this morning. Amen. If you're in Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to read a number of passages from Exodus 3 and Exodus 4. And I find this an interesting passage. This is the passage where Moses 
is introduced on the scene. In Exodus 1, which was the conclusion of Genesis, and in Exodus, you, you start to see the life of Moses. And, and it's real interesting, just the background to his life, the background to your life. Don't just think you're here today because of an accident or something else happened. And this, You are here today because God knows you and God chose you and God called you. You might not understand everything on the way, but God has called you and chosen you. And Moses here, when he was a child, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he was about killing children. He wasn't aborting them. He was killing born children. Murder. And it says that the children of Israel had grown and they were fruitful and multiplied. If you read in the first chapter of Exodus, the, the, the passage from Genesis 1.28 was being fulfilled and they had been fruitful and multiplied and Egypt was looking around and saying, these children are more than us. The children of Israel are greater than we are and so we need to do something in order to stop this. So he actually instructed the midwives that if it's a boy child that comes from a Hebrew woman, you're to kill that child. And the Hebrew women said they couldn't do that. They didn't tell Pharaoh that, but between them and God, they said, we can't do that. And so when a child boy was born, they would actually allow that child to live. And Pharaoh got upset, and he says, what's the matter with you? And the, and the women said, well, when we're here taking care of an Egyptian woman, it takes a long time to have a baby. But for some reason, when the Hebrew women come, the baby comes out, and before you know it, the baby's here. And actually, if you read the first chapter of Exodus, you'll find out that actually God prospered and blessed those women for protecting the children. And in this backdrop, Moses is born. And I just love the irony and the humor that God has. Here he's born. His mom and dad are concerned, so he's, they, they hide him, and for about three months or so, she takes care of him to the point where it's like, I can't take care of him anymore, I'm going to get caught. So she puts him in this little boat or basket or something in the Nile River and sets him out there, and Pharaoh... His daughter goes to have a bath in the Nile, and she hears a baby crying. And she goes, and she takes him, and she goes, oh, he's a beautiful Hebrew child. She knew that he was a Hebrew child, and she loved him, and she actually took him into her house. Isn't God funny? The thing that was meant to destroy was actually turned around, and the one that was wanting to destroy was actually now raising the one that was going to take care of the children of Israel. Sometimes you may not understand what's going on in your life, but if you're to step back and say, God, what are you doing? There are some of the things, and it's, it's better than a chess game, but he is moving pieces in your life, and he is moving them strategically, and you may not understand everything, but all of a sudden, 40 years later, you find out God calls you, and you find out that all those things were his protection, his direction, his love, and his care, and he's brought you to a point right now. And the enemy was out to kill and destroy, 
And he turns out to be the one that actually nurtures him and raises him. And his name, Moses, means drawn out of water. So every time they called his name, the enemy was reminded because they were told to throw the baby boys in the water to kill them. So the very place that they thought death was going to happen, life was drawn out of. Now this is the backdrop. Moses, Moses had nothing to do with that. There are things that happen in your life, you know what? You had nothing to do with that. But God was orchestrating and God was looking and God was planning. And sometimes we think we think very linear. We think very linear. Once you become a parent, you're changing your thinking changes a little bit because now you have a little one and you see the little one and you see the little one doing this, but you know if they continue doing that, they're going to end up here. And so what does a parent do? A parent instructs, teaches, and tells their child, this is the way to go. And sometimes it's with a little more energy than other times. But why do you say that? Even though we live and think linearly, as a parent, you're starting now to see landscape. And you're seeing future things happening because of that behavior continues. I don't want this, so you step in here. And God doesn't think in a linear... God's vision and God's view of things isn't confined to time. So when God looks at things, He knows the beginning from the end. So He saw Moses... And he saw the children of Israel, and he planned years ahead. If you read the, the first five books of the Bible, it's amazing. There's a period of 400 years that God knew and orchestrated 400 years earlier. The life of Joseph, the children of Israel were in Egypt for 400 years. God orchestrated that. And for 400 years, God didn't forget the children of Israel, but he was letting them be fruitful and multiply. And Moses comes on the scene. I want to read a few verses here, a number of verses, and if you're in Exodus chapter 3, I want you to look at verse 7. And this is right after Moses has seen the burning bush which burnt but didn't burn. It was burning, but it didn't burn. Sometimes God likes to get your attention. If God gets your attention, I got a piece of advice for you. Listen up. If God gets your attention, listen up. And he gets Moses' attention. And the Lord said to him in verse 7, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good land, a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Hibites, the Jebusites. Now therefore, 
Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my children, the children of Israel, the children of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, and listen to this. I find this an interesting dialogue. God comes and he says, I'm going to deliver these people. And Moses is having this conversation with God and he says, and there's about three or four questions that Moses asks. You know what? It's okay to ask of God. I believe in having faith, but sometimes, you know what? You, you can ask, what's going on here? And so, God tells Moses this. And Moses said to him in verse 11, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Because 40 years ago, I killed a man, an Egyptian man, and the next day, I saw two of my people arguing, and I went to settle it, and they got upset and said, what, are you going to kill us too? And he left the country because he was afraid for his life. And God says, you're the man. So should I bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? So God says to him, I will certainly be with you. Now this is amazing. I will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Sometimes the signs that God gives you are not ahead of time. Sometimes the sign God gives you happens after you've done what he's asked you to do. I like the signs of God, but are you prepared to walk out and do what God asked you to do without a sign? And this isn't the only time that God says you'll receive a sign, but the sign is actually going to happen after the fact. And I'm building up a little bit here, but I want to drop a little bit of a seed into your heart right now. There's some of you that are struggling and that you have a taskmaster that is beating you and oppressing you and pushing you and putting pressure on you. And God is saying, no, I've come here to deliver you today. And God will deliver you and he wants to deliver you. And you're saying, give me a sign. And he says, the sign comes as you do it. Here, he says, the sign will happen when you've brought the people out. Verse 13, then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Here's his second question. The first question was, Who am I? The second question is, What shall I say? What's your name? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Sometimes I wish he would explain it a bit more. <laughs> Sometimes I wish he would say, you know what, David, let's go for a little walk and let's talk about this. Here he says to Moses, I am 
who I am. Are you prepared to accept God at His word? Are you ready to accept Him when He, when he speaks to you and you say, what should I do? And He says, I am. I'm the one that said it. I will perform it. Are you prepared to accept Him at that spot and at that point? And here He's talking to Moses and He says, I am that I am. And if you look at those words, you find out that there's a completeness in there. Jesus spoke and He said, I am. And He had seven I am's. In fact, there's more than seven when you study and read His correspondence with the disciples. Have you ever met somebody, you walk into an office and you're supposed to see a, the boss or somebody and you walk up to the counter and you say, I'm looking for so-and-so. And they look up to you and they say, I am. I need to see who the boss, who's the boss here? I am. And it answers your question, and right away, they are the one that is the source, or they're the one that you go to. You don't go, oh, you're the boss. Okay, can I talk to somebody else? No. The question is answered. Jesus here, or God here, says, I am that I am. That's his name. I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus shall you... Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my name forever. This is my name forever. He doesn't need a reboot. He doesn't need an upgrade. He doesn't need a system upgrade. He doesn't need like, oh, we've got a few bugs that we got to fix. Now we're into God 2.863. No, we're into God 1.0 and he says, this is my name forever. The same name that brought the children out of Israel is the same name that will bring you out of your trouble and your distress and your issues and your taskmasters. The same name is just as powerful today as it was over 6,000 years ago. He has not lost his power. He's better than the ever-ready bunny. He keeps on going and going and then going and going. He is more effective than what you thought was. He says, my name, this is my name forever. The God you serve is not weak. The name of the God you serve does not lose its power. The name of the God you serve does not wear out. The name of the God you serve is just as powerful today as it was when he first said it to Moses there describing, I am who I am, and that is my name forever. You can look at these promises and these 
descriptions and these illustrations in the Bible that were real and happened, and you can say that's the same God that lives today. Today we sang the song, Our God is Greater. Is He? I'm asking you a question. Is your God greater? Is your God higher? Is His name stronger? Is He healer? The God you serve is top. He's the top. There is no comparing to God. I sometimes have to remind myself of this. The God I serve is top. There's nothing stronger, nothing greater, nothing higher, nothing that can usurp that authority. He is the supreme. And he's got a relationship with me. And he tells Moses here, this is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. And what is a memorial? A memorial is a place that you can remember. You'll skip a verse in just verse 17. He says, have I, I have said I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. The land or the place that God has for you is a land that flows with milk and honey. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for you. He wants to take you out of the affliction. He wants to take you out of where the taskmasters are putting pressure on you. When you study and you read this passage, you find out that Pharaoh instructed his people, and he says, you know what? The children of Israel are going to make bricks, and, and we will supply the straw. And then as the children of Israel got stronger and stronger, he, he comes to this, his foreman and he says, guys, now the children of Israel are going to get their own straw and they're still going to produce the same quota. And the children of Israel were crying out to God. I think if we'd be honest... I think, I think if we'd be honest, just about everybody here would say they've cried out to God. I, th- I think if we'd be honest, just about everybody here would say, I've cried out to God. And you might have cried out because you felt you couldn't handle it anymore. I cannot handle this anymore. You might have even used other words to describe it. I can't handle this anymore. I'm getting too old for this stuff. Why me? 
I'm all alone. My frame can't handle this. I lay awake at night, and my head just goes from one side of the pillow to the other, to the other, to the other, because of the stress, because of the torment. Because the moment I close my eyes, I hear all these voices in my head. I think if we'd be honest, I think if we'd be brutally honest, just about every single one of us has felt things like that. I'm spinning in a circle. Just when I think I put my foot forward, somebody pulls the rug. Just when I think I've reached the door, they lock it. Just when I think I've reached the spot where they told me to go, they move the goalpost. Just when I think this is going to happen, my car breaks down. Just when this happens, this thing happens. I was told that I was going to increase, and the moment I said that and spoke that, all of a sudden, the boss put the screws to me. I spoke something, and all of a sudden, my friends started to ridicule me. I got a doctor's report. I have everybody speaking negatively. You can't do it. You're not good enough. Who do you think you are? This person left your life. This person left your life. That person did this. I think if we'd be honest, just about everybody here has had a moment where we've cried out to God. And I think if we'd be honest, it was rather current, rather recent. And God says, I'm going to bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. Man, if I dance, I'd dance right now, but I dance ugly. God is here right now, right now, to tell you he wants to take you out of that affliction. He's here, and he says, I've heard you. There were millions of people, the children of Israel. That didn't matter to God. He heard them, and he saw their affliction. He saw the injustice. He saw that Pharaoh says, you know what, they're advancing, let's make it harder on them. He saw that, you know what, my boss told me if I did this, I'd get to there, but as I'm halfway there, the boss starts to freak out because I'm making more progress than he is, so he pushes me back. He's been there. He's heard that. He's seen that. He knows that you've been promised something and then you get this carrot in front of you and it's just like you never reached the carrot. And I think tomorrow I'm going to get there and then all of a sudden they've changed the rules. And, and the cry of my heart, this is agonizing. I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt.
my prophetic word for you this morning is that God wants to take you up and take you out. Not take you out in a bad sense, take you out in a good sense. Sometimes I think taking me out would be a good thing too, but he wants to take you out of the torment that you feel. He wants to take you out of the mindset of poverty. Because if you study that word affliction, it includes the word poverty. Poverty is a mindset. So is prosperity. Prosperity doesn't just mean that you've got money. Sometimes you don't have money, but you've got prosperity. Generosity doesn't just mean you're generous with your money. Generosity means that you're generous with your time. You are a generous person. And all that money does is reveal what you are. That word, affliction, its root word means depression. Uh, I, I like to watch hockey. Don't judge me. But the Canucks yesterday, they had this mental awareness day. And this is something that's real in our society like it's never been before. Mental illness, mental awareness, depression. That, that's real. And what's a little frustrating is we can diagnose somebody who's sick with the flu and we can give them grace to get better, but somebody that has a bad day mentally, we somehow ostracize them. I'm here to tell you, he wants to take you out of depression. That, some of you need to grab onto that. Poverty, misery, trouble, depression. He says, I want to take you out of that and then I want to bring you into the land. And, and I just love this because quite often when I've studied the Bible, the enemy does this, this, and this, and this, and God just does that. But here the enemy did this and God says, here's what I got for you. I've got you the land of the Canaanites. I got you the land of the Hittites. I got you the land of the Amorites. I've got the land of the Parasites. Parasites. I don't know, Parasites. I got the land of the Hivites. I got the land of the Jebusites. He's got so many ites for you, you won't be able to stay up with them all. He doesn't have the land of the Idiotes. I'm here to tell you. That's my daughter. You might feel like you're pressured and there's no way out. I'm here to tell you, he wants to take you out. And then he wants to take you into a place that's huge. Can you imagine a life of like six, seven fold? I used to live in a confined space, but God brought me out into this large land. Some of you this morning, I just saw this picture. Some of you this morning have been in a cage, <laughs> like a canary cage. And it is frustrating as all get. Irritating. 
this morning, I believe the door is being opened. And you have the opportunity to step out. And everything you've looked at and wanted and desired and dreamed of is now there in front of you. God says, I'm going to take you out of the affliction, out of the oppression, out of the poverty, out of the depression, out of the misery, and I'm going to bring you into a land that's good. That land is going to flow with milk and honey. That's what God has for you. And just before he said that, well, he said that in a few instances. After he said it the first time, he then tells him, by the way, my name does not change. And my name will last forever. So I read that and I say, so if you said that to Moses and then you said that your name will not change, 6,000 some odd years later, and I haven't done the math, but however many years later, your name is still just as effective. Did you hear me? You don't have to have some crazy ritual. You don't have to do this and do this. And you can just say, God. It says, Jesus says, if my name is lifted up, I might draw people to me. Is that what he said? He says, if you lift my name up, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men. This morning, I'm lifting his name up. And I'm telling you, if you are in affliction, if you have misery, if you've been pushed down, if you've been cramped, if you feel like you've been in a cage, if you feel like there's been depression has been battling you, I'm here to tell you, call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved. You either believe what his word says or you don't. And his word says, I'm here and I'm going to bring you up out of the affliction of you. Anybody here would love to be taken away from the affliction, the pressure, the crazies, the weirdos, the man, this, that? I mean, we can use King James language, but we can use language of 2017, the cray craze. We, we, we can use that kind of language. God wants to impact you today. And the impact that he has for you today isn't just for Sunday morning. I think God is speaking to me today. Some of you come to church and get a shot, which is good, and it lasts you all of eight hours. Monday morning, in fact, Sunday night comes and you start dreading Monday morning. I've been there. I've been there. I don't want you just to come to church Sunday morning and feel good walking out these doors. I want you coming to church Sunday morning getting impacted by God so that Monday comes and instead of Monday hitting you, you hit Monday. 
And I'm not satisfied with you just showing up Sunday morning and hitting Monday. I want to see you hit Tuesday. I want you to hit Wednesday so hard it didn't know it was happening. I want to see you hitting Thursday. I want to see you hitting Friday. I want to see Saturday come and you go, you know what? I can't believe it's Saturday because I got just as much joy, just as much power, just as much effectiveness as I did Sunday morning when I left. And I'm here now and you better watch out because Sunday tomorrow is going to be ridiculous off the chain kind of cool. God wants to impact your life. He does. And I am so thankful that he does. Because he doesn't leave me in the mess that I make. And I've made some messes. I'm not going to get into them. Part of the DNA of solid rock, we are a church that goes passionately after God. And part of it is I am not satisfied just to do the same old thing Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I want to make it an environment where you want to come to church Sunday. When all those other competing interests don't compete. Why is it that I can make, I can spend good money to go and watch the Canucks and you question my sanity for doing that, but I can't come to church to worship. I might be stepping on some toes there. But it's time to rise up. The deliverance that you want is here. You're not going to find it in a bottle. You're not going to find it in a magazine. You're not going to find it gambling you're not going to find it doing some... The deliverance that you need, the healing that you want, the, the things that you... Uh, is here. His name is Jesus. And I'm not ashamed to say that. Because if you turn on the TV, you would think Tide is the answer. Come on. They will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to advertise how clean it gets your clothes. And you think, man, now I'm living really good. I've got... Jesus is the one that saves. Not Tide. Tide doesn't even get your white whites. But he takes your sin and makes it whiter than the snow. I might be rambling a bit, but I want... I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. Who here wants that? This morning, no, I don't need the piano. I can do this without the piano. If you need to get your heart right with Jesus, you can do it right now. We're not going to have a huge altar call, but this is something that if God is speaking to you right now, I want you to hear his voice talking to you. Some of you, you know Jesus, but you really don't know him. 
And knowing him is not just a one-time salvation moment. Knowing him is a life of relationship that goes on and on and gets better and sweeter and stronger. Some of you, you know Jesus. But if I can be as bold to say, you really don't know Jesus. You've allowed him to save your soul. But you haven't let him come and take care of those taskmasters. Some of you don't know Jesus yet. If you don't know Jesus, you can know him. It's a simple decision. It's saying, yes, I believe that you are the one who died on the cross to forgive me, to make my life right with Christ, with God, and I accept you and I believe you. It's a confession. It's, it's in your heart and it comes out of your mouth. So this morning, we're going to do a few things. First of all, I'm going to lift Jesus up. So if there's anybody here, first of all, that you don't know Jesus yet, right now you can. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I am going to ask you if, you if you want to accept him, that you just raise your hand and don't be afraid of those that are around you. If anybody here wants to accept Christ and let him take you out of the affliction of Egypt, right now is a great opportunity. So if there's anybody here that's never accepted him before, if you just want to raise your hand, and we're just going to celebrate and we're going to pray. If there's anybody here that you know Jesus, but you'd like to get to know more, and you want to turn over some of those things, Quit holding on to bitterness. Quit holding on to depression. Quit holding on to what the enemy wants to do. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And this morning, he's here right now to give you freedom from that and to bring you into a land that is greater than you could ever imagine that flows with milk and honey. He's here right now. If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand. Put it down. Thank you. I'm just going to pray. I'd like everybody to pray with me. So if you raise your hand or not, if you could just join together. And it's just going to be simple. Heavenly Father, help me to release those things to you. And thank you that you want to take me out of the affliction and let me to enjoy life. I surrender. Not just Sunday morning. But I'm going to push for Monday. Tuesday. Wednesday. Thursday. Friday. And even Saturday. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. My instruction to you this morning is to take your Bible out and to read it. I know you read it, Pastor Daniel. I'll ask for somebody. My instruction for you today is for you to take your Bible out and to read it. And if something jumps out at you, 
like this verse. And if you want, you just start reading in Exodus and you just see how God took them out of things to bring them into something. And you read a promise where it says, and this is what I'll do for you. If you want, highlight that, underline that, and then even say it out loud. Because the same name that said it back then is the same name that says it now. Amen? God bless you. Have a crazy week, a good week. And may you touch other people's lives for his glory. Amen. God bless you.